will start to get a little bit of a late start this morning. I do not have uh, the right password to print my sermon, so I apologize about that. Regardless, we're glad that you're here with us, and we're glad that you're tuning in for a moment. So we have a few announcements to share with you this morning. Uh, the first thing that every Wednesday uh, during Wednesday, we'll be doing a Bible study that looks at the texts that we read on Sunday morning in a little bit more in-depth way. So hopefully you got the email about that, and if not, uh, we'll make sure we get that for you. Um, also, pay close attention to the things on the calendar this week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm sorry, Tuesday we have evangelism and congregational care meeting, and the Wednesday night Bible study, that's at 6.30. Last week we went to about 8, we're not going to do that this week, we'll do a little bit, a little bit early. Uh, but that's going to be on Zoom. Um, and then also today after worship, we have the, the worship committee meeting uh, as well. Hopefully um, you remember to do this if you're in person with us today, we ask that you put your phone on airplane mode so that we have a full signal um, going to the technological stream so that we don't drop the live feed during the worship. But apart from that, um, we're glad that you're here worship lessons to prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
join me in a call to worship. I will tell your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All of your offspring of Jacob, glorify him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. Come, let us worship the triune God. Please meditate on our gathering song, Be Thou My Vision. Jesus Christ be with you. No, As we come to confession, please follow the prayer of confession. Merciful God, we confess that our sin turns us from you again and again. We are a sinful generation longing for your mercy. We want not only to save our lives, but to gain the whole world as well. We are too often ashamed to show our faith to the world around us. Have mercy on us. Now I'm on the side of Amen. Friends, hear this assurance of pardon that comes to us from the Old Testament. See, I have sent your sins as far away as the east is from the west. If your sins may be as scarlet, I have washed them white as snow. The good news of Christ coming is that he did separate us from our sin. Our old life is gone, and a new life remains. So know that you have been forgiven, and be at peace. Pray also for me, a sinner. Amen. Let me see. Our Old Testament lesson is from Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, and verses 15 and 16. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. 
No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. The word of the Lord. Now, so I'm going to worship for the youngest among us to come forward for our children's service, so I invite everyone to come down. Who's younger, younger, younger? So far, but we're gonna have a little bit more fun right now, okay? How many of you know how to play the game Simon Says? Okay, awesome. We're gonna play, okay? Awesome. So let's stand up. Ah, you all out. Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, stand up. Okay, Simon Says, stand on one leg. Okay, put your leg down. Oh, oh everybody put the leg down. Out. Okay, we'll start over. Simon Says, put your leg down. Someone says, turn around and surface. All right, stop. Oh, there's our championship for Okay, we'll do another round. Okay, real quick. Someone says, stop. Someone says, jump. Someone says, stop. Someone says, put your arms in the air. Put one arm down. Someone says, put both arms down. Someone says, touch your nose. Someone says, touch your head. <laughs> Someone says, rub your ears. Someone says, close your eyes. I'll open them. All right. Someone says, sit down. Okay. Good job. You're all winners in my book. Okay. So that little silly game that we just played reminds me of the story that I'm getting ready to read from the Bible. Okay. It's about a time when Jesus is talking to his friends. So Simon Peter says to Jesus, I want to follow you. I think you are the Christ. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to do a certain thing. You have to pick up your cross and carry it with you. Okay? So it's kind of like Jesus saying to us, if we want to be his followers, we have to be willing to do some of the same things that Jesus did. One of the things that Jesus did that's most important as far as I'm concerned is he paid attention to people that other people maybe not didn't pay attention to. He loved those people that were hard to love and he forgave people, and he said we should reach out to those who are poor or hungry or sick, and we should help them. So, I think Jesus is kind of saying, Jesus says, go help people. Okay. So what I want us to think about today is the way in our lives that we can be helpers, not just a mom and dad or grandma or grandpa or sister or brother, not when they say help, but people that we see along the way during the week that might need a little help from us. Do you think we can try to work on something like that? Okay. You think so? Okay, well, let's pray. Once you guys repeat after me, and then and then we'll go to children's time. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, Dear God you, rock, you rock, and we love you, and we're so glad that you told us to pick up our cross and to follow you. 
your follower all the days of our lives. We love
so much. For our New Testament reading today, we're reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter three, or chapter eight, verses thirty-one through thirty-eight. Hear God's holy word. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Simon Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd of his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed and comes in glory as Father of the Holy Angels. Lord, Lord. Successfully taken out of orbit. 
both been a very good thinkers. They've kind of been competitors their whole lives. They make several jabs at each other and they discuss possible outcomes. Joe's character says there's only one plan that can work. And that's going to be that one of us has to take a ride on the satellite and aim it at the moon um, and then try to have it explode. Donald Sutherland's character is inside the space shuttle and he realizes what's happening outside and he says, no, there has to be another way. And Clint Eastwood and Donald and Jones together say, no, this is the only possible outcome. This is the only plan that will save humanity. We find in our text today, I think, a not too dissimilar conundrum. Jesus is speaking with his disciples. He's just healed the blind man of Bethsaida, and he asked the disciples a question. Who do people say that I am? The disciples say, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, uh, maybe one of the other prophets. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You can imagine there may have been some silence there as they're trying to figure out, did he say it, did he not say it, what's going on? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And immediately, as, as soon as he says that, Jesus orders them all to remain silent. I've talked about this a bit, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the weeks to come, but there's this notion in, in Mark's gospel about keeping things silent. We don't want it out that this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, this is the one who will save. And so Jesus then says, stay silent, and then immediately starts teaching again. The Son of Man must experience severe suffering and rejection from religious leaders to the point of death, and then they'll rise on the third day. And just as Jesus was saying that the Son of Man has to die, speaking very frankly and openly about this, Peter, being Peter, takes Jesus aside, and does what any person knows better than the person speaking does, right? You interrupt somebody, you rebuke him. Jesus, I just got the answer right, and now you're going around saying all this stuff. Why are you doing this? Jesus being Jesus, replies probably the most harshly in Mark's Gospel, by saying, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's plan, you're thinking about your own Selfish desire. That's a rough translation, but that's essentially what Jesus is saying. And his next words, I think, were even more alarming than his previous prediction. Jesus says, If anybody wants to truly be my follower, you must deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And he says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but those who lose their life for the sake of the gospel, will actually save it. What good is it to gain fame and notoriety and wealth in the world but lose your soul? What can anyone give in exchange for your soul? If you are ashamed of me in this generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you in future generations when he comes with his holy angels. And he concluded his speech by saying, surely there is someone here today who will not taste death until they realize the powerful coming of the kingdom of God. Now, I try to imagine what it's like to be a disciple. I don't think I can really truly understand what it is. But I have to imagine that if I was there that day and I heard this speech, and I wasn't really careful, 
think I might get upset. Put yourselves in the position of the disciples. They have heard Jesus say, follow me. And what have they done? They followed him. They left their jobs. They left their families. They wandered all around the Judean countryside. And so Jesus is now saying that what you expect me to do is to pick up this torturous instrument of death, walk alongside you to death, be tried as a criminal. I think maybe I pitched my horse the wrong way. I thought things were going to be a lot better than this. I thought the Messiah was going to set us free. You're saying we're all going to die? Deny myself? Who is this madman? Now those are the thoughts about that. Full mission. I know we already did the prayer of confession, but that's what I would think that I would be thinking if I heard this speech from Jesus. Jesus directs the listeners to a specific set of commands. What does it require to be a disciple? Now, the first two commands are verbs, and they're in the aorist tense, which we don't have in English, really. And for lack of a better way of explaining this, anytime that something is not going to die, most of the time when something happens in the aorist tense, it's a past action that requires future ongoing results. Okay? So, a past action that requires future results, or a continued action happening. So the first one and the second one are kind of tied together. Deny oneself, take up the cross. Those are various forms of a verb. Deny yourself and take up the cross. So it's not just deny yourself once. It's it's kind of refuse to be who you say that you are and then continue doing that for a time to come. And then take up the cross and continue walking along with that cross daily. The second one is a little bit more strange because it's in the present tense. Now, Jesus has been kind of dealing with some stuff, stuff, some tough stuff. Denying oneself and taking up the cross are probably two commands that would be maybe underwhelming, but also very, very challenging. But literally taking up the cross meant, quite literally, the cross member. Those of you that have kind of seen uh, movies in the way that Jesus is depicted, it's not really the cross that we're used to, it's not not the lowercase t, it's the uppercase t. That's how they would have been crucified. That's how anybody would have been crucified. And so what they did is they strapped that cross member on you, carried that wall uh, through town, and then they would hoist you up and set you on top of, of the pole that's already in the ground. So literally carrying the cross is the cross member. Okay? So literally walking towards your death. You have to pick up this instrument of death and march alongside me in a death like mine. Now, who's with me? Who wants to march to death? This final command here is always follow me. That's in present tense. It's not a past thing. It's, it's now follow me. When you put all of this together, the exclusivity of following only Jesus, Having this action being an ongoing process, the readers and hearers of Mark's gospel understand the complexity of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's no romantic notion. His followers need to be prepared to die. 
bearing your own cross, following Jesus in suffering in order to share his glorification. Now, I need to kind of give you a little bit of a history lesson of what is kind of going on at the time of Mark's Gospel writing. We're not exactly sure when the Gospel was written. We think it could be as early as the 50s. It could be as late as maybe the 70s or 80s. Regardless, there was quite a bit of tumult going on at the time of the writing. So you probably heard of Nero. Uh, Nero very famously tormented Jerusalem. He tormented Rome for that matter. Um, but there was a revolt. The Jews kind of overthrew the Romans there for a time in the mid-60s. Uh, Nero ultimately um, left office by death. Uh, he was followed by the year of the four Caesars, and the last Caesar of the year of the four Caesars was Vespasian. Uh, Vespasian made an edict ultimately after he re-won uh, Jerusalem for Rome that Jews had to start paying a tax um, to Rome specifically just for being Jewish. They also were kind of spread out um, throughout the Roman Empire. They weren't allowed to be in Jerusalem anymore. The, the, the temple was desecrated. Uh, they made a new temple there. They sacrificed the bull, um, blood all over the place. So it was, a, it was a challenging experience. So if anybody that's hearing and reading these words at the time uh, of the writing of the gospel, or even in the years subsequent to that, they kind of knew that being Jewish was not the greatest thing to experience during Roman rule. And at the time, there wasn't much difference between people that followed Jesus, the little Jesus, the little Christ, the Christians, and Jews. In fact, for Rome, they were all monotheistic people. And so if you were a Jewish Christian or you were just still into Judaism, you still had to pay that tax, you still had persecution, you still suffered. So when you're reading this, and you're also recognizing how there's current persecution going on in the world for your people, these words meant something more than they probably mean to us today. Now in a little bit we're going to pray for our Ethiopian brothers and sisters who were slaughtered months ago. We just learned about this past week by the air training soldiers. But I think they probably recognize what it means to be a follower of Christ more than we do. So when they deny themselves, they take up the cross and they follow. That means a little bit more than I think the pleasure that we have in being Christians in our country. We have freedoms to be able to do this. We're not persecuted. And so I think this text is something that really should challenge us at a, at a very deep level. What do we gain by having security and wealth, financial solubility, at the expense of our souls? Is it possible for us to deny Jesus in our personal lives? Or is it possible for us to deny ourselves in the spiritual world? Do we believe the kingdom of God is present and in its glory? Do we think that's a time to come? How are we preparing for that? How are we carrying our cross members in life? Christ calls us to a life that's not comfortable. We're called, though, to comfort sacrificially. I don't think that Jesus actually desires any person to die in order to be known as a martyr or a true follower. 
But I think that my own selfishness has to die daily in order for me to become more aware of what it means for me to call myself a Christian. The grace of Christ does allow for me to make mistakes, but the command from Christ calls me to make changes. It's very difficult for me to go back to that illustration I used at the beginning and say that Tommy Lee Jones is a Christ figure. I don't know. I don't know that I can do that, but I think it would be really, really easy to follow him. He's very famous. He's very woman. He seems to be a fun guy. And the heroic nature of the character that he plays in the movie does remind me of what Christ did, the sacrifice that Christ made for all of humanity. But it's not the same. This may actually be an example of what it means to follow Christ. Jones saw a situation. He sized up all the options that were available for him at that time, and he quickly recognized only one solution. In order to fulfill his task, to save someone else, he had to be able to comfort sacrificially. The motivation was not towards making a name for himself. It's not about the fact that he was 40 years removed from being a young gun. It wasn't about being popular any longer. And it was astonishing to his fellow crew members. He had kind of always been the one that pushed other people into those dangerous spots. And so when he contemplated this sacrificial decision, none of them obviously wanted that to happen. Yet he denied himself. He literally strapped onto that thing in a Christ-like manner as being on a cross and followed. And I think that's what we're called to do in this life as well. Our call may never, I pray to God, mean that we have to die for our own selfishness. But I think Jesus allows us to follow his lead. His great sacrifice is an example that we're free to follow. Following Christ comes with the great assurance that God is victorious, his kingdom is here, and his kingdom is powerful. Following his friend's tragic death, Eastwood's character continues living. You see at the end of the movie, he goes to earth, he returns to earth, and he had been this curmudgeon, for lack of a better term. He didn't like to forgive neighbors, he didn't like uh, to be in community, he, he always wanted the worst to happen to other people. But after he saw the sacrifice that his friend made, his life changed. He became friendly. He waved at his neighbors. He smiled. Now those aren't necessarily Christian attributes. But the movie showed that he changed. And I think part of what our lives need to reflect is the change that Jesus makes in each and every one of us, every day of our lives. Following Christ means we have a life that is changed, but we have no life at all. May we constantly change our lives as we follow our King. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and Amen. Let us stand and declare what it is that we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead, believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Can you see it? This time we're going to take up our offering. If those of you at home that are doing that, you can click the button. We're going to meditate. And those of you who want to do that here, you can leave your offerings out. God, we thank you so much for the many gifts and blessings that you've given to us this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts to you now, we ask for your courage to continue taking up our cross and following you and giving of ourselves to the benefit of others. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to our time of corporate prayer today, I do remind us all to think through the trash that we learned about in Ethiopia. Sometimes you take for granted the freedoms that we have in this country, and so it's tough to hear that other Christians are suffering around this globe. It's also a time during when for us to focus on the things in our lives that we need to change. The 
changes that we need to make in our lives to grow into a closer relationship with God. So let's keep all those things mindful and lift our petitions to our Lord and to our God. Let's pray. Holy God, we are so thankful for this day that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for all the gifts of this life. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that you are to us, to our salvation. We ask, God, that you continue to remind us of your call to follow you all the days of our lives. We thank you, Lord, where you were gracious with us. We ask, God, for you to be patient as we are gracious with others. We ask, God, that you give us the strength to daily take up our cross and to follow you, to walk, Lord, where you are sending us, to keep us, Lord, as your people looking at the world through gracious and forgiving eyes. Holy Lord, today we think about the sacrifice made in Ethiopia. There's folks who were worshiping and celebrating their religious heritage and were so tragically torn down by gunfire. Lord, we ask that where there is hate in the world, that your grace and your love can be present as well. Well, we cannot fathom Lord, what it is that they went through. We ask God that you would give us the strength to learn to forgive, even when we don't want to. We pray, Lord, for the church who worships out of fear every day of their lives. Places not just like Ethiopia and Eritrea, places in other areas of the Horn of Africa, the Far East, the Middle East. We pray, Lord, for our sisters and brothers who gather together today with fear of persecution, suffering, burglary, and death. Lord, we ask that you be with them and give them peace, give them strength, and give them courage. Lord, we also ask that you would open our eyes that we may see the world around us, lead us and guide us and direct us, Lord, to be your people, your hands and your feet in this world, to guide us, Lord, to the places you need us to be, where we can be your love and your grace. Lord, in the stillness of this moment, we also pray for those whom we love and those who love us. We pray for ourselves. Holy God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to earth that he showed us how to live and taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our singing song at the summons.
Sometimes I think picking up a cross and following Jesus is an easy thing for us to do. I think you can buy a cross just about anywhere, right? You can wear that pretty proudly. I've got a couple of cross tattoos on my body, actually, that I carry with me everywhere I go. I don't think that's exactly what Jesus meant, right? This is an easy cross to wear. This is not a difficult or challenging thing. Being a Christian is challenging every day of our lives because we have the call to forgive. We have the call to be like pretty much no other religion. We have the call to say, I've been harmed by something and, and now I want to forgive that. And then we have to live that every day of our lives going forward. During Lent and the season of Lent, let us think about the ways that we are called to be different, called to be changed, called to be renewed and given strength. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May be with us all until we meet again. Either in this place, for His glorious kingdom come. Amen and amen. Happy Sunday. In peace like a river, I take.